Well, welcome everyone. Thank you all for being here. Um, thank you to, I think, pretty much everyone here who came to the picnic ahead of time. We had a really good crowd. It was a lot of fun. I had a great time. I hope you had a great time um, trying to uh, feed kids and snarf down food in like the 30 minutes that we have is always really, um, it's challenging, but it's fun. It's like hectic, but really fun. Yeah, no, it's fun. Anyway, um, we're going to get started with this talk because that felt awkward. Um, is anyone freezing? Yeah. Um, Nikki, do you know how to turn that? Oh, you're, you're holding my kid. That's interesting. <laughs> That's fine. Um, we'll, we'll handle the, the freezingness. Um, okay, so let's talk about greed. That sounds like a fun thing to talk about tonight. Um, Michaela and I, <clears throat> as I've talked about ad nauseum probably at this point, uh, finally have moved into our house a couple weeks ago, which is really great. It's really exciting. When we sold our old house, we got rid of like a ton of stuff. Like it was embarrassing how much stuff we had that we never used. But then we just got rid of a lot of the stuff that we had been using. We donated it or we sold it or we gave it away or we th threw it away, which is very satisfying. But we knew that we were going to set aside a little bit of the money that we made on selling our house to buy some new things. And so uh, we've been doing that. Um, We've been like on Craigslist and Nextdoor and Facebook Marketplace like nonstop, and we're buying like couches. We bought some really nice couches for like really cheap. You can find amazing things on Facebook Marketplace. It is kind of a problem. Uh, it's a little bit addictive, and we've been trying to like like set up each room and get it to the place where we want it, and then we like move on to the next thing. And I found that like we're we're basically done. <laughs> we've bought everything that we can and need to buy. But as we've reached the end, I've realized like, like I want to keep buying stuff. Like I just want to keep buying things. It feels really good. You get like a little zing of energy when you find this thing on Facebook and you're like, is it, do you still have it? And they're like, yeah, uh, I can't get rid of it. Please come pick it up. And I'm like, I have a truck. I'll be there right now. What's your address? And they actually tell you where they live. And then you show up and you're like, is this person going to harm me or am I going to get a couch from them? And you get a couch. It's very exciting. And um, we've also made some... Uh, embarrassingly expensive trips to Target, and uh, that has also been a lot of fun, but I, so my personality is that I don't shop, okay? If I go to a store, I know exactly what I want, and I know exactly where it is, or I order ahead of time so that someone else knows where it is, and they just go and get that thing, and then I just show up and say, hey, give me the thing that I paid you for, and they're like, yeah, no problem. Uh, you guys know how order ahead works, I don't have to explain that for you. Hi, how are you? <laughs> I'm working right now, baby. <laughs> This is my full-time job. <laughs> I know usually you see me on the TV, but here we are. Um, so uh, I don't shop. I don't browse. I don't do anything. But I have like wanted to just keep buying stuff that I actually went to Target the other day just to see if there's something that I wanted there, which is, I mean, that's fine for some people. But for me, I just realized I wanted more and more and more. I want to keep buying stuff. And that's how I have come to realize that at least to some degree, some greed has crept into my heart. Because greed is never satisfied. It never has enough. It always wants more. It always needs more. So what is greed? Well, according to the dictionary, which is a great place to look when you want to know what a word means, greed's an intense and selfish desire for something. 
it's intense. So it's not just like run of the mill desire for something. It's, it's like obsessive. It's like walking around target just to see if there's something that you happen maybe to want. Uh, it's, it's selfish. It's just for you. It's for no one else. So when you think about greed, what, what comes to mind? Shout some things out to me. What do you think of when you think of greed? Not creed, the band greed. <laughs> what did you say? Sorry. Cars? You think of cars. Interesting. You think of cars? Target. Target. <laughs> cool. <laughs> wow. I'm glad I could help. Scrooge McDuck. Yes, absolutely. The guy that swims and spits out money. Um, anything else? Any real things? Black Friday. Yeah, that's a good one. I was hoping you guys were going to say people. So the rest of this talk is all based off of you guys saying people to me. Um, but no, that's actually fine. <laughs> I think of people in general. <laughs> I thought someone would sing the Jeffrey Bezos song, but that's fine. Um, I think often when we, when I think of greed, I think of like a 1930s banker with just like a ton of money behind him. I think a lot of times we think of uh, someone or some entity hoarding resources, uh, money or, or food or possessions. But greed isn't just about hoarding things. It's not just about hoarding cars. Um, or, or cool things from Target. Greed isn't... Uh, another definition that I found for greed is greed is thinking everyone and everything around you exists for you. Now, we all go through a developmental phase where we think that that's true, right? Uh, where we think that everything in the universe is for us. Daisy right now is in that stage. Um, as you saw her just walk right up here. It's my, it's my church. It's my show. Um, she, she's very possessive right now. She thinks everything is for her to the point, like even with strange things. So, um, we will sit, uh, Apollo down next to her when she's watching a show, which is very adorable, very cute. She loves her little brother. But when we go to pick him up, she will snatch at him and say, my baby brother, like, that's true. But like, that's my son. Um, wow. She like thinks that she owns this little man. That's how greedy she is right now. But it's a phase. We all go through it. Some of us never grow out of it. Some of us fall back into it. Uh, greed can look like um, thinking everyone else's attention and approval and love and knowledge and, and power and whatever actually exists for you. This can look like being greedy in relationships. Uh, we all know people in our lives that, uh, that only take, they never give. Um, we can and are often greedy with many, many different things. Greed is never satisfied. It never has enough. It always needs more. Greed has this nefarious way of convincing us that if we just had more blank, then we'd be more blank. And fill those in for whatever is true for you. If I just had more time, I'd be more productive. If I just uh, had more friends then I would be important or I would feel more important and people would want to be around me. If I just had more uh, degrees, I would feel competent. Uh, if I just had more attention, then I'd feel accepted in love. If I had more power and control, I'd be safe and respected. No one could hurt me. If I just had money, then I would feel secure. My future would be secure. That last one is a, is a big hook for me. Uh, I, I find myself often saying that to myself. If I just had more money, I could just do whatever I wanted. I could be free. Um, if I just had more money, then I wouldn't have to worry all the time. Uh, if I just had more money, I, I could relax. 
which if you know me is not something I'm very good at. If I just had more money, I wouldn't need to trust in a God that I can't see. If I just had more money, I, I could be in control of my life. Bingo, there it is. Greed is about control. Greed is a coping mechanism that we resort to when we feel some sense of inadequacy. Um, we attempt to cope with those feelings, either in ourselves or just in our lives, something missing, something lacking. We try to cope with that by controlling. Greed uses external things to control, to deal with internal realities. But it never works. It leaves us chasing the next hit, the next dollar, the next word of approval, uh, the next relationship, the next car, <laughs> the next lamp from Target that you don't need. Greed steals from us the very thing that we're trying to gain, which is our life. Greed steals our lives by subjecting us to a constant and relentless quest for more and more and more and more. So, how do we break out of that cycle? How do we get off that ride? How do we quit this chase? Uh, well, Jesus had a thing or two to say about greed, thankfully. And we're going to be looking at one such instance tonight in Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 21. Um, I meant to tell you at the beginning of this, we're in between series right now. We just finished a series talking about uh, different spiritual disciplines. In two weeks, we're going to start a series through the book of Philippians. So we've got these two weeks to do something. And so we're going to do this little mini series on two different parables of Jesus. And so tonight we're looking at this parable uh, in Luke 12 called uh, the parable of the rich fool, which is a great title. Uh, so Jesus is teaching his disciples out in a huge crowd of people. Well, he's teaching them in a huge crowd of people form around him. It's getting so like crazy and rambunctious. This crowd is that it's the Bible says that they're actually like trampling on one another to like hear what Jesus is saying and try to get a word in with him. So Jesus is trying to, in the midst of all this chaos, teach his disciples. And this is uh, starting in verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Which I'm guessing is not the answer he was hoping for. Then he said to them, Jesus said to them, watch out, be on guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. So let's just recap really quickly. Huge crowd, Jesus is trying to teach, and these guys come up and they're like, hey, Jesus settled our family squabble between like who gets the stuff now that our parents are dead. And Jesus <laughs> doesn't react really great to that. He's like, I am the last person you should talk to about that because I don't really care about like this thing that you have going on where you are jealous of whatever your brother has. And then he tells him this story where basically this guy has a huge harvest, doesn't have enough stuff to fit all of this food in that he has. And so rather than like trying to figure out ways to help the people around him or get rid of it, he thinks, well, I'll just build bigger storage units and then I can retire and never think and worry about life ever again. 
which feels very relatable to me. This is like my dream to like have enough to just never do anything again, which I know I'd be miserable if that ever happened. I'd be bored out of my mind. But I often find myself trying to build bigger barns. Um, so that's what this guy decides to do. And then he, God somehow appears and tells him like, sorry, you're actually going to die tonight. So what good is all of this? What's the point? What good is it for you to have all this stuff and just keep it to yourself? Because you're not even going to get to use it. Okay, so first I want to talk about what this story isn't saying. Um, this story that Jesus tells is, is, he doesn't say here that the problem is, is possessions or prosperity. Uh, Jesus has plenty of things to say about possessions and prosperity and riches and how hard it is to follow him if you are rich. Uh, he says a lot of that in a lot of other places. Um, here in this parable, these things are not the problem. You can be poor and be greedy. You can be rich and not be greedy. Those things don't necessarily correlate. The antidote to greed is not getting rid of everything that you have and, and living in poverty. Though it might start with getting rid of a lot of things, it's primarily an internal posture. And Jesus talks about it at the very end. Did you catch it? The antidote to greed is living rich toward God. That sounds really nice, but what on earth does that mean? And uh, if you have that question, you are not alone. People have written volumes and volumes and volumes about what on earth it could possibly mean to live rich towards God. Um, but a simple definition that I found that I really like is from a, a, an Anglican priest named Michael K. Marsh, who says, uh, living rich toward God means we invest in ourselves, each other, and the world in the same ways in which Jesus invested himself through love, mercy, compassion, justice, hope, courage, acceptance, truth, beauty, generosity. This is the wealth of God. This is the life God shares and invests in us through Jesus Christ. I think that's a pretty good answer. So living rich toward God begins with going back to our original calling that we've talked about around here several times uh, and realizing that we've been blessed to be a blessing to the people around us. Living rich toward God means, begins with realizing that everything we have, everything that we've been given is a gift. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4, what do you have that you haven't received? Meaning everything we have is a gift. We acknowledge that every week when we pray uh, together in the generosity prayer, all that we have, we've received from God. Everything we have and everything that's been given to us is, is not just for us, but also for the people around us. Living rich toward God means realizing that we've been blessed in order to be a blessing to the people in our lives, in order to bless others. Uh, living rich toward God means responding by reflecting his love to the world through being generous. So where greed is about having and hoarding, generosity is about uh, caring and contributing. Greed is about my world. It isolates me and it keeps my focus on myself. I stop saying we and us and I only say I. And we see that in the story. The man says, I know what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns. I'll build larger barns. I will store my stuff in my new barns. I will relax. I will eat. I will drink. I will be merry. Greed is about my world. Generosity is about our world together. Generosity opens us up to, to those around us, the people that we're meant to be a blessing to. So we combat greed. We, we live rich towards God by being generous. 
And I know that sounds simplistic, but the best way to combat greed begins with loosening our grip and, and opening our hands our, that are clasping the things that we've been given. It starts by realizing that everything we have is a gift. All that we have, we have received from God. Realizing that we have been blessed in order to be a blessing to the people around us and then responding by moving out uh, to the world through acts of generosity. So I want to close tonight with a, with a thought that we haven't talked about in a while. Um, actually, last time I taught this parable was very similar in kind of what had just happened. And that was like four years ago. So um, in this story, Jesus directly says, life does not consist of the abundance of possessions. And that's not news to us. Um, somewhere deep inside of us, we know that that's true. And I know that we know that based on what happened here a few weeks ago. A few weeks ago, we dedicated three children to God. And the parents of those kids read letters that they wrote to their kids, full of their hopes and dreams for them. And if you were here that night or you watched that night, um, what did those parents hope for? Was it for success? Was it for power? Was it for uh, popularity or status, for wealth? I didn't hear any of that. Parents weren't concerned about these things. Because deep down, we know that life is not about the abundance of these things. Instead, we hoped and prayed for our children that they would know purpose and joy and strength, holiness, patience, and gentleness, to be courageous, uh, to love and be loved unconditionally, to have grace and peace, to know beauty, and to be kind. I'm sure you hope for similar things uh, for for any child that you know that's important to you. Or maybe you're like, I don't know any child. I, I have no hopes for them. Uh, I'm sure that someone had similar hopes for you when they first met you as a child. So we hope and pray for these things for our children because something deep within us knows that these are the things that matter. Because something deep within us knows that this is richness towards God. Because something deep within us knows that these are actually the things that we want for our lives. So why aren't our hopes and dreams for our lives as rich as our dreams for our children? What if we w wished and hoped and prayed for these things, not just for our kids' lives, but for our own? It's a simple idea. It's, it's an obvious idea to some degree, but it struck me profoundly. Maybe it doesn't with you. You're like, yeah, of course. But that's why it was so mind-blowing to me. Like, of course. How would your life look different if you pursued these hopes and dreams rather than the next hit of money or approval or the thing that our culture says makes you more important or valuable or powerful that's ultimately worthless? I was one of those people reading letters to their kids that night and uh, above all else, I hoped for my son Apollo that he would grow to be brave that he would be bold, that he would act when others won't. And I still hope that for him. That's not changing. But what if that was my goal for myself too? What if part of my hope for, for seeing that in him is building that in myself so that I can instill that in him? What if that's what I was chasing rather than something that I can't even uh, figure out what it is through the, the aisles of Target? These things next to each other feel ridiculous. So what would your life look like? What would our church look like? What would our city look like if our dreams for our lives were as big as our dreams for our children? 
Exactly. If we pursued richness towards God rather than using external things to try to control our internal realities, if we lived generously forsaking greed, that might just look like what God had in mind all along. I'd sure like to find out. Will you pray with me? God, thank you for your endless love and grace that gently um, I'll speak for myself that gently helps me see uh, ways that I am heading towards death even if they seem I don't know benign or silly you're never harsh and just pointing out like hey that lamp's not going to make you happy God, I pray that you would um, help us all see the areas in our life where, where greed has begun to creep in. And even more than that, God, I pray that you would help us each um, be aware of the ways that you have blessed us that are meant to be not just for us, but for the people that you have brought into our lives. Help us to take steps to, to share those things, to reflect your love to the people around us by blessing them in the ways that you've blessed us. We love you, God. Amen.